And welcome to your Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso Clay Ferrero is the Miami Dolphins now one and four on the season following another loss. This one, an ugly one in Tampa that just got it turned into a route in the second half, Clay. And look, there is a uh, there's not much to discuss on this game itself. I think this has to be a big picture conversation that Dolphins are having certainly right now amongst themselves on social media. Uh, that I think Brian Flores and his staff have to look at as they, you know, analyze film and figure out what is going wrong with this team. But at one and four, losing four straight, really one defensive, one great defensive player removed from being 0 and 5. Uh, this team stands in your mind where, Clay? You are what your record says you are. Um, and and I think this is this is a football team that's about that. And and you know, I, I think we're gonna do a deeper dive. As, as the week goes on, I think and exactly what's going gone wrong. Once you know you can break down the analytics and stuff like that, the the feeling that I have, Will, is that when your defense is on the field a lot, eventually they're going to wear down. And and looking back some over some of the drive charts over the last few weeks, the defense has not been good. Like nobody is sitting here saying this defense has come anywhere close to living up to expectations. But there have been games, and the Indianapolis game stands out. Mm -hmm. as one um, where as the game went on, you could see that there were just too many reps that the defense had to, had to put themselves on the field for. So that's that side of the ball. My, my gut says that the defense isn't quite as bad as the numbers would say, if they just had a reasonable time of possession, uh, uh, not the disparity it is now. The offense is an unmitigated disaster. It's horrible. And, and I think, unfortunately, when you came into the season, we were thinking that, all right, there's not going to be, it's not going to be a great running game, not one that you can depend on to get you started. But, you know, you're hoping that your passing game is going to open up so much because you've got Jalen Waddle and you've got uh, Will Fuller and, and you're complimenting them with Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki and, and you've got a quarterback in Tua that's the ultimate point guard. And there is none of that. Like, I mean, Will Fuller hasn't, hasn't been on the field. Um, and, and Jim, Jalen Waddle's been, been, been fine. I think, the, unfortunately, the things that you got him for, you, you need other stuff in order to make that work. And they just got none of no, in, in addition yeah. to that, the offensive line is bad. I mean, so it's, you know, it's Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point. Like it's, you look at, at disasters and it's never just one thing that causes it. There's always a bunch of things that ultimately lead up to it. And, and in the case of the Dolphins offense, it's a bunch of stuff that's just leading to this absolute mess that we're watching right now. Well, you know, and, and I think a lot of what you said is most fans are agreement with. I'm certainly am. And I think it's obvious what's wrong with the offense. We've already discussed it here in the pod. We've discussed it on the shows on local 10. I've been disappointed in the defense. I certainly haven't made that a secret. And I think the Dolphins, you know, Brian Flores even said after Sunday, look, it's just, it's not good enough. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And he's a defensive minded guy. That's his background and they have not been good, but Clay, there's a bigger picture here. And I know that it's an easy excuse for fans and sometimes media as well to point at the staff, but there's something off about this team. There's something that's just not in rhythm, that's not in unison, that it, it there is, doesn't seem to be a clear message of what the identity of this team is. And I hate so much the talking cliches, oh, identity and the culture and the fit and the belief and all these things. But there is something to be said for that when you're a bad football team like the Dolphins are, and they just can't seem to figure out why. It's a lot of like, you know, like you just said, well, the O-line hasn't been good in the draft. You know, they don't know how to use Waddle and, and the the corners that are supposed to be so good 
I've let them down. And it, it, you go up and down, and there is a fundamental issue with this team that I think has to fall on the coaching. Uh, and that starts with Brian Flores. It continues on to the 14 offensive coordinators, whoever's calling the plays, we're not even sure. And it, and it just trickles through a team that on game days doesn't look very prepared. And I think more than anything, Clay, that's what surprises me. Because if we learned anything in the first couple of years of Brian Flores, is that he was the kind of guy that really was on top of everything, was the detailed guy. And that was something that you kind of, whether it came from his days in New England, what he learned from Belichick, whatever, everybody makes so much of the disciples of Belichick. I think Flores in his own way is just a real no-nonsense, make sure you're on top of things kind of guy. And for some reason this year, I don't feel like the staff, starting with Flores, is on top of things and has a real feel what this team is. And when you couple that with injuries, which every team has and deals with, and all the other things you just referenced, that's where you get your real mess. This team not only is playing like a mess in results, they look like a mess. And that's the part that really, I guess, surprises me most. Yeah, and, and I wonder if how much of that is, you know, you go back to, to the win in New England. And, and that was a game in which, the, the clear game plan on the defensive side of, of the ball in that game was, all right, we got a rookie quarterback on the other side, but it's a rookie quarterback who, you know, we, we don't want to give up the big play. We feel like if he's going to make us, if he's going to beat us, then we're going to make him dink and dunk out, down the field. Mm -hmm. And credit to Mac Jones, he did that, but ultimately you came up with the big play at the end of that game. So I felt like that ball game, the plan worked, but every game since then, it's gone sideways. And, and Will, I, I feel like it's, it's becoming – I go back to what I said in the first segment of this, that mm. when your defense is on the field that much, then ultimately it's more opportunities for a busted coverage. It's more opportunities to look unprepared. Because you're right. They do look unprepared. They look like a team that isn't ready. And I think, unfortunately, when you're playing defense, it's one mistake – that that can it's what everybody's going to remember and so that's i think that's the biggest problem on defense is when you're out there as much as they have been you're going to give up mistakes because there are too many reps the offense is is more interesting to me and there's somebody cynthia freeland does game theory for nfl network and she's fantastic it's um it's very much analytics based but it's also a combination she'll go in and she'll discuss with coaches and, and front office people to get kind of okay. a feel for what's important and what's not. And one thing that she said last year on a podcast that really stood out to me about how she does her, her, uh, her algorithm is that con continuity is important. And when you look at this offense, the Miami Dolphins offense, it felt like, all right, you know, you're coming in with a third, I don't even want to call it a third offensive coordinator, a third group of offensive, whatever, whatever it is that's out there. I mean, whoever's, I, I laughed because I, I couldn't understand why there were so many questions about who's calling the plays in yeah. the preseason, the first couple of games, but it's a problem. Oh, it absolutely there is. is. No, That's part of the no identity problem. thing I was talking about. Right. So, so there's no continuity. So she places a high value on continuity when it comes to, especially offensive football, there's no offensive continuity because 
You're in a third year with a different offensive coaching staff. You don't know who's calling the plays. You had a, a quarterback entering his second year that didn't start till halfway through his first year. Didn't have a training camp last year, a preseason last year. This year he did. Then he gets hurt. Then all the guys that you got that I think was going to be the identity of your offense, which is having explosive playmakers, letting Tua get the ball in their hands. Like none of it has come together nothing, and nothing. perhaps it's perhaps it's because of all the injuries and the guys who you envision being your identities, not part of your identity, not being there. But ultimately, it's going to fall on the coaches to not have a backup plan where you can supplement when those guys go out. So you're yeah. right. I mean, ultimately, it falls on the coaches, regardless of if that's the reason. Yeah. And, and look, and I think Brian Flores, to his credit, I'm still I'm still on, on team flow, meaning. I, I'm not going to turn on flow because, you know, as, when we're in the media and again, as fans, you watch the progression of a staff and a head coach comes in with his own system and you kind of say, okay, I like this system. I like what he's doing. I think most people, media included, fans included, thought Brian Flores had this franchise going in the right direction entering this season. But look, the injury to Tua set things back, but let's not kid ourselves and act like everything looked perfect, even with Tua in there. They did get the win in New England. Again, a great defensive play saved the day, but a win is a win. You don't apologize for that. You certainly wish they'd had a couple more. But this is a big stretch for Brian Flores. And look, let's, let's say the obvious, but it needs to be discussed. This is a huge stretch for Tua Tungabaloa coming up. The all indications are that Tua will, as long as he makes it through this week of practice and then the trip over to London and he's feeling good, will be back as the starter, meaning he's healthy enough to play. Not that we had any questions. He's, it's his job. We'll be back starting for the Dolphins against Jacksonville. You've got two games against Jacksonville, a horrendous team, and Atlanta, a, a very mediocre to bad team that you can get right, that you can get back. And look, the schedule gets tough after that. You got Buffalo, you got other tough teams down the road. It's certainly, while the schedule lightens up, you still will have some tough games coming up. But this stretch now, starting with these next two and then the remainder of the season, Clay, there's a lot said already about Justin Herbert and justifiably so as far as Chris Greer and other. And look, every every GM early in the draft passed on Justin Herbert until the Chargers took him. So it's not like they were the only ones, but Justin Herbert's a superstar. To a tongue of low, we don't know what he is. I think it's fair to say, I don't think it's unfair that this next stretch of games will dictate what the future is for Tua with the Miami Dolphins. And in many ways, what the future is for Brian Flores and Chris Greer, because Stephen Ross ain't getting any younger and he is not going to be patient when it comes to trying to build this team. There's enough of a rebuild in his time. He's been here over a decade already, and it's the same song and dance every year. But for Tua Tungabaloa, it's it hasn't been fair that he's been judged up against Herbert while he's been hurt and dealing with a crappy offense and all the uncertainty last year with Fitzpatrick and him in and out. But none of that matters. Tua Tungabaloa has to prove that he's the guy starting this week if he's healthy enough and the remainder of the season. Yeah, life ain't fair. And it certainly isn't fair in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think you have to go back, excuse me, to the last one. 18 months going back to the draft last year. And, and let's kind of piece everything together. You had the reports leading up to the draft that, you know, Stephen Ross really wanted Joe Burrow. And, you know, you had a, a few reports leading up to the draft that there were people within the Dolphins that preferred Justin Herbert. And what we didn't know was, okay, how much of this is smokescreen stuff, all that. You yeah. had the report from Jason Lockenfora a couple of weeks ago, I believe, that Brian Flores actually preferred Justin Herbert to Tua Tungavailoa. And what you have now, because Herbert is flourishing, Burrow looks good, not, not quite to 
Justin Herbert level good. But he looks pretty damn good. I mean, yeah, he looks pretty damn good. He does look good. And, and, you know, playing with Jamar Chase, by the way, who was, you know, a receiver that the Dolphins could have had if they had stayed up a little bit higher in the draft. I mean, that doesn't help that you get to this point now where you're looking at, at Tua Tungavailoa and the exact questions that you had about him, his durability, yeah. durability. His, yeah. his arm strength, arm strength? relative yeah. to the NFL. Like, he has not answered any of the questions no. about him. Nobody ever questioned his toughness. Nobody ever questioned his character, his intelligence, his ability to uh, you know, get the ball out on time and, and hit his targets. What, what they questioned were the very things that we're seeing guys like Justin Herbert go out there and, and display game in yeah. and game out. So if this is true that, that, that Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert, like, it's going to get ugly if they aren't able to come back and, and turn this into something. I think and, it might be a little ugly, by the way, already. I think uh, I, yeah, to this, yeah. I, I think what's going on in the Dolphins' offices um, as we tape into this new week is that Stephen Ross wants answers. You know, yeah. and his job isn't to sign players and scout players and draft players. I mean, he leaves that to his football people, but his job is to sign the checks and and to hire the people that make those decisions. And if these decisions keep going against the Dolphins as they have, I mean, these aren't minor decisions. These are like, hey, do we sign this guy as a special teams backup? Who's our kicker? Right. This is a franchise quarterback that we all agree. When healthy, we all agreed could be a good quarterback. But now the questions become, did you pass on a great quarterback? Right. And, and and that is going to fall right on, you know, not just on Tua and what happens in his future, but what happens with Chris Greer? What happens with Brian Flores? Because while people will sit and say, well, I like Brian Flores, but I don't like Chris Greer. Well, guess what? Kind of goes hand in hand a lot of time, that GM coach decision. Because whatever GM you bring in, if you attach him to a coach that he's not familiar with or that maybe isn't his guy or he wants his own guy, guess what? Brian Flores' job is on the line no matter how well he coached the Dolphins last year to overachieve and no matter how much you believed in the system. If you make that kind of change, it does not. it is not a good sign for Brian Flores, which in turn isn't a good sign for Tua. Because once you start getting those changes, everybody will want their own player. And again, Stephen Ross isn't getting any younger. So I guess what the point of this, Clay, is that this the time is now. Like, we can't make any more excuses for Tua. We can't make more excuses for Chris Greer. And we can't sit there and say, well, Brian Flores helped this team underachieve last year. That's over. That's over. It's what happens now that's really going to dictate the future of the Dolphins franchise, the direction they go. Because Stephen Ross isn't going to keep giving chances every single year because he doesn't have many chances left as he gets older as to what this team could be. Well, and also, e even if that weren't the case, even if you were, you know, 50 years old, like, this is not acceptable. And, yeah, and if you're a Dolphin, right. especially, especially when I think the feeling was, I remember back when, when they moved on from Adam Gase and, and, you know, kind of what was the feeling at the time was, and I believe Stephen Ross may have said this, that Ross was ready to rebuild. Adam Gase felt like they had enough in the building to win right then. But... The caveat there was you were going to take your lumps in 2019 with the idea that you were building a foundation moving forward. And, and yes, towards the end of 2019, I think they won some games that we were surprised that they were even able to win. And, mm -hmm. and things started to turn maybe even sooner than we thought. And then 2020, yeah, it was a weird pandemic year, but like you started to see the fruits of what was laid there yeah. to where I, I think... I don't think that they were necessarily ahead of schedule. I think 2021 was the year that everybody had circled on their calendar. Yep. So where yep. maybe if they won a few games, I, I don't think the expectations for this season were any higher than they, they would have been otherwise. I think 
This was the year where they had to make a move. And unfortunately, they're making a move the wrong direction. So, you know, even if Stephen Ross were, were 50 years old, you're in year three of a rebuild and yeah. you look worse. You look significantly worse than the year before. And you also, yeah. it looks like passed on that franchise quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do believe like you're right. The fact that Stephen, Stephen Ross is the age that he is, like it's going to make it even, even worse than it was. But man, you'd be demanding answers anyway. So yeah, it's true. You know, That's your job fan, as an owner. You expect, and here's right. the thing too, Clay, is that, that when we talk about, you know, building, rebuilding, it's to try to win a championship. Stephen Ross doesn't want wild card berths. He doesn't want division titles and one and dones. He wants to try to build a champion. And that's a very hard thing to do. You don't do it overnight. And it hasn't been overnight that they've been trying to do this. It's been years now. So when you have, if you really look at the asset pool that the Dolphins had, you know, in the last, let's just go back three years ago, right? All the moves they made to keep acquiring and stashing picks. And even this offseason, they stash picks moving forward. And they try to do this. What do they have to show for it? A lot of question marks. You can say now, and it's not an overreaction, and it's not a, an unfair thing to say, that the Dolphins have botched this rebuild with all the picks they have. The Dolphins should have more talent on this roster and more positions secured for the future. Key positions along the offensive line, along the defense, and other areas that you can say, and obviously franchise quarterback, that you can say, hey, we nailed this. Now let's grow and build a winner. Dolphins, not only have they not done that, but you still have so many other questions. By the way, those assets are gone. You can't get them back. I mean, it is right. Made, those picks have been made. And yet we're still sitting here at a team that's one and four. And when you look at point differential, which is a sexy thing to talk about now, like, oh, well, they're in games. They're in games. The Dolphins aren't even in games. They're nope. getting slaughtered. So the fact that that is happening to this team with all those assets and everything that was laid out there for this front office to take care of and it hasn't been, is a really, really, really bad indication, really bad sign of what is to come. Because it's not like this team is you know, really good and you have a lot of pieces and you say, well, they're just not playing well. You're questioning the pieces they have aside from the fact that they're not playing well. Yeah, and, and this isn't if, – if they get to the end of this year and, and they don't make the playoffs, and right now it's not looking good. And, I, I by the way, I think that's got to be the standard this year. they got to make the playoffs. Absolutely. They got to Absolutely. Not look, you know, they can't even – if they make it to a wild card game, like they can't look like they don't belong on the field. Like they actually have to compete. There's a lot of season left. But let's say we get to the end of this season and they don't make the playoffs. Nobody is going to give a you-know-what that Will yeah. Fuller didn't play the first few – much the first few nope. games or that Tua Tungabailoa nope. got hurt. No, and I, and by nobody, I mean I mean Stephen Ross. I mean nope. fans. I nobody. No passes. No free passes. No, no. You got your free pass in 2019. You got a little bit of a free pass in 2020 because you know, you, you were were breaking in a rookie quarterback, and it was a pandemic year. And 2021, man, no excuses. And it's not gonna. So let's say we get to the end of the season and they don't get there. There will be changes. I'm 100 confident there will be changes. And if the the lock and four report is true that uh, Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert, and, and that would mean that he was overruled. Whoever overruled him is going to be gone. I, I would yeah. – that's just me speculating, but I would think that would be a pretty pretty safe speculation at this point. But, you know, I, I, a lot of season left, a lot of time to turn it around. But, well, right now, I mean, they're, they're, yes. at, a, they're at a crossroads, and, and not just for this season. They're at a crossroads for this regime. The next two games, Clay, that's why I, I don't want to get too big picture. A lot of what we talked about is big picture, but – Look, you still have 
a huge portion of the season left. It's 12 games left in the season. You hope that in all those 12 games, Tua Tungabalo is your starting quarterback, that injuries are behind them and that he can move forward. As you mentioned earlier, the knock on Tua was his durability. We've already seen some of that during his young NFL career, that it is still a question mark. Whether he can get the ball and push the ball down the field or at least work his weapons, it would help if he has his weapons. We know Will Fuller's on IR, so even with Tua coming back, he won't have him for the next couple of weeks. We know that Jalen Waddle has not been used really the way that we expect him to use and be that dynamic playmaker. They already moved on from Jakeen Grant. Devontae Parker's hurt again. Preston Williams came back, and you know he looks like at least he can give you something, hopefully, moving forward. But you know, Mike Kosicki, they, I, again, a few years in, I'm not sure that the 17 offensive coordinators know how to use them. So there's still the questions along the offensive line. Man, it's like you, you'd think it's just one thing, but there's so many things. So let's take a step back and I guess do it a one-week season. This week is a huge week for the Dolphins in London. And then that, that game against Atlanta at home, they win those two. And they're, you know, they're sitting at three and four after everything that's happened and two as healthy and you hopefully get Will Fuller back. Then we can take a step back, breathe, and let's see what we have the final 10 games or so. But Clay, man, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not feeling like, like I'm not feeling like in two weeks we'll be having that discussion. No, and look, if, if you're a fan right now, and, and it's our job to be objective as we approach this, like we can, I, I think it's fair to say that we like the Dolphins to do well because it makes our jobs easier. But as somebody who's being objective about this, I, I think fans, fans have every right to, to feel emotional and frustrated and angry because this was the year that they were supposed to believe this wasn't going to happen. How do, how do I put this the right? Like you dealt with 2019. And frankly, you dealt with 15 years of looking at Drew Brees doing his thing in New Orleans and Dante Culpepper not panning yeah. out. And, and you were you were supposed to believe that that was over. Like you were okay. Yeah. I, I like now you're going to do it for what? 15 more years. Cause of Justin Herbert. I mean, like you have as, as somebody who's, who's objective with this, I'm not a Dolphins fan. I like it when they do well because it makes our jobs better. But as somebody who's objective here and is not a fan, if you're a Dolphins fan listening to this right now, you have every right to be angry and frustrated and feel like, man, here we go again. So no, feel like that is your right. With that said, it's got to turn really fast or else there are going to be other people making the big time decisions for this franchise moving forward. I, I firmly believe that. We're moving forward to the next one. Uh, this was ugly. Uh, one in four. It's it's hard to watch. This team's not enjoyable. This team's not staying in games. It's, there's nothing to pin your hat on. So this is going in the right direction. This will turn around. The only good news is it appears Tua Tungvaloa is going to be back. Clay and I will be back next week. We'll certainly talk about that. We look ahead to heat season as well as we get excited with the start of heat season around the corner. So we appreciate you listening and subscribing. That's your Miami sports pod. I wish we had a better one, but the Dolphins right now playing some bad football at one and four.